You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's almost August. It's hot as hell. I'm sweating as I'm saying these words. Not a lot going on in hockey. It's the perfect time to have a podcast. Vardy, how are you tonight? I'm great, man. We've been gone for a little bit. I think it was because we were all uh, sitting around for that inevitable Ben Hutton signing that still still coming. We were waiting com- on it, and we are still waiting on it. We could That's wait right, no longer. We just kept saying to ourselves, let's just wait one more day. Maybe they'll sign Ben Hutton. And then let's just wait one more day. And then it became three weeks, and we're like, you know what? We can only wait so long. But so we, that means that tomorrow the Kings will sign Ben Hutton. But we were gifted a Martin Furk in the meantime, so <laughs> that's yeah, cool. We were. That's right. I don't know where to start. There, I guess let, let's take let's take care of in-house first. Right? Let's take care of what's going on with the LA Kings. Right. The, the main things, and this is the type of summer it's been, folks. Cal Peterson signs a deal, 850k a year, three years. Pretty basic mm-hmm. stuff. Pretty standard stuff. And even that drew the ire of someone on Twitter. I'm so confused. Uh, yeah. Some rando dude who, whose qualifications I think were that he was on like Bachelor Boat or whatever the reality show was. He has now blocked us. Yeah. Along with everyone else who – including Kyle Clifford by the way. Yeah. Actual members of the Kings tweeted him and said – Bro, what are you even talking about? I was just I was just trying to educate him, and he he wasn't having it. So, well, you did call him clown shoes. So he was a clown. That was a clown thing to say. Be that as it may. Be that as it may. You're a harsh educator. Okay, now when I said it was pretty standard, you you look like you want to interject on my comment there. I did, because I as as standard as it may be in terms of resigning an RFA, not a lot of money. The term, the term is key. Mm. So the first season is a two-way deal. The last two seasons of the deal are a one-way deal, implying that he will be in the NHL those two years, um, and that runs through the uh, Seattle expansion draft. Now, keep in mind, the Kings have to expose one goaltender at least for the Seattle expansion draft. Yes. And kind of reading between the lines here. It's not going to be Cal. There you go. <laughs> it's not going to be Kel. That's this right. guy's picking up what I'm putting down. I'm just saying, I'm pretty sharp with these things, like that guy <laughs> who blocked us on Twitter is. But <laughs> yes, yes, the devil is in the details on that one. I mean, again, even that is standard because of what, what our expectations are and everything. But obviously the big question it brings up is what the Kings are going to do with their goaltending situation moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And again, reading between the lines here, and this is – been you know pretty rumored and for obvious reasons for a while now is that the kings would find a way to um move away from jonathan quick and it's inevitable i mean he's, he's not getting any younger and not really sure where the where the team is going necessarily and he's uh still has value in the right situation um so it's now a question of not if I think, but when and how the Kings are going to move Jonathan Quick. Is it going to be in that long rumor trade that may come? Is it going to be by exposing him if he's still around during the expansion draft and seeing if Seattle, you know, wants to start their franchise with uh, a two-time cup winning 
multiple time Jennings winning, I believe, goaltender at the helm. At least one. That's at least sure. one. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. And obviously losing him in the expansion draft would not be the ideal way of asset management, but you know, right. if there's no market out there for a goaltender, then I mean, there's no market out there for a goaltender. But so I think that I think that's where the interest kind of arises. And Jonathan Quick's not a stupid guy. He he realizes all this too, you know. Do you think it's possible, Marty, that he could be contemplating retirement? You know, there's a thought. Um, I don't know if that would be the ideal situation from the Kings' perspective, because uh, cap recapture issues mm-hmm, and whatnot, mm-hmm. depending on when he would retire, I suppose. Um, but I also don't know. Like, he strikes me as a competitive guy who would want to keep playing until his legs fall off. You know, um, that's not to say he hasn't accomplished a lot of things in his career. A Vesna has eluded him. Um, I'm just going I, by the Peterson contract. Let's say it's not next year because Peterson's on the two-way. Fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be age 34 by the time uh, Peterson gets into the one-way deal. It's a it's a idea that kind of crept up in my head. He doesn't. He also seems like the type of guy that's content in what he's accomplished. Right. I think he knows damn well that what he's done is more than enough for any NHL career. So I do wonder, Vardy. I mean, he's he doesn't seem like the type of guy either that is one of those like, oh, I would never leave money on on the table, you sure. know, when I have a contract. I think I think he's very much the kind of guy that goes to his own tune. He does his own thing. He's always mm-hmm. done things kind of his way. So I do wonder about that. I, I think that's a long shot, but it is possible it is possible yeah i i suppose it is um that being said in terms of leaving money on the table so after 2021 um he still has two years at 5.8 million available to him right so you're talking 11.6 million dollars being left on the table yes seems like a bit of a long shot and I could still see Jonathan Quick at age 35 if he's not able to be a starter to want to be a, a backup or a 1A, 1B situation someplace. The question is where? Yeah, it's possible. You could also argue that I don't see Jonathan Quick ever wanting to be a backup anywhere. They're also true. That's also another, true. So there, and a lot can happen. Like his, his hip can flare up. His LTIR can flare up. is available. Exactly. Exactly. Go, I mean, just I, today, I would hate for him to be really injured, but true. When I say I mean, LTIR, today, it's in Jackson air quotes. Ended up, ended up back in Toronto. After. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's just another. That's another. That's, fun story. That's just a team who's like, we have tons of money. <laughs> and we will make your situation better. How does that team have space? They still haven't signed. Doesn't matter. He's LTIR. I get it, but that's there has to be. I feel like in the CBA at some point there's going to be a limit as to how much like money an LTIR you can cap. It has to be, dude. There so. has to be. Interesting. Interesting. Because, because there's only so many teams that can do that. Then Toronto, obviously, being one of them, where they can just have eleven million dollars on LTIR. Yeah. Like. The Ottawa's and the Carolinas of the world don't have that 
level of expendable income. So in a way, the LTIR, it's that soft It's like luxury. a luxury. Yeah, it's exactly. a luxury tax. That's like what it comes NBA. down to. Yeah. Exactly. So it just it, it it's an inherent inf- unfairness within the system, I think, that they'll find some way to iron out. So Cal Peterson on the books, Alex Iafalo signing a deal, two two point four two five AAV for two years, I believe. Is that correct? Yep, and he's a UFA at right, and I'm I'm pretty sure about this. But I think the expansion draft is between the 2021 and 2122 season, so like summer 2021, which would mean that he would be a UFA in the middle of that summer. So unless the Kings um, resign him, I don't think they necessarily have to protect him. Protect him, correct? Yeah. That being said, I think he has the ability. To sign with Seattle if they come to him. I'm trying to remember how it worked with Vegas. I thought Vegas had like a brief period where they were allowed to negotiate with UFAs before the other teams were, if I'm remembering correctly, or something like that. That's interesting because I feel like that's a loophole that almost every team should be trying to work with. Well, and, and again, I think I think the second time around teams are going to be a lot smarter than sure, they were. Sure, Vegas. sure, sure. But I wonder if they could they could still claim him because his rights would still belong to the Kings. Well, he wouldn't. He's unrestricted. So, but when does his contract so expire? What? July. Think, right, they probably can pull it off kind of how they do right now at the, at the draft where they'll trade like a, a sixth round pay That's for the I'm negotiating saying. rights, that kind of thing. That's yeah, what I'm I saying. Guess so. I, I guess so. I mean, so he they, if they – in theory, claimed him, they would have negotiating rights up until July 1st with the player. Correct. And they could throw good money mm-hmm. at him. But I, I don't know if the, the Kings necessarily have to hypothetically protect him in I, that situation. I guess, I yeah. Know. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know the specifics. It's interesting. Yeah. That might be a wait and see kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, because a couple of the points there are kind of unclear. Um, but in the same kind of breath, Adrian Kempe probably looking to sign a similar deal, probably around the same cap hit as is what I'm guessing. I think is what, what's been rumored, and it's probably what's been fair. What would be fair? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, um, uh, Mayor John Hoven had brought up a potential three-year deal hmm. for Kempe, um, similar to. Uh, similar to Peterson. And I think, again, it goes back to the idea of if you're signed through that third year, if you're signed through that summer, then the team has to protect you. If, if they want to, obviously they have the ability to protect you for the expansion draft. I think this isn't, this is, it's weird to like start talking about this two years in advance, but I think a lot of the contracts that they sign and don't sign and extend these guys to, hovers around now the expansion draft of course you have to have it in mind because right like you said last year it was a bit of a circus people teams weren't really sure what they were doing many teams were caught off guard i think george mcphee was maybe a step ahead at most mm-hmm. times and i'm very sure that 
GMs don't want to be made fools of again, like many right. were during right. that expense draft. So any deal you negotiate around that time, yeah, of course, you have to take into consideration all the implications of the looming uh, expansion draft. So right. so likely we're looking at three years, 2.5-ish for Kempe, mm-hmm. which is fine. Uh, these are deals like you can't, you can't even bring yourself to care about. And I don't, I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just standard business. There's nothing yeah. like if you're going to take a deal like this and try to scrutinize it and put it under a microscope, like, dude, do something else with right. your time because it's just right. it's standard fare. It's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, it's the, the, it's the doldrums of summer. It's, yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. So, I mean, look, I'm glad I follow sign. I'm glad Kempy's going to sign. I'm glad Peterson's signed. Right. Did I expect anything else to happen? No. So it's yeah. all good. And it's it's to the point the position the Kings are in, you can't even bring yourself to care about the cap hit. Oh no, like the cap like again, all. the cap is like the least relevant thing right now. It, in fact, the most relevant thing sadly is is the expansion draft. Truly, because even next season's a bit of a wash. And so you have to like look at all these guys that you're potentially gonna bring up this season and next season. How many games are they gonna play and are you gonna have to protect them? from the expansion draft two seasons from now. Like that is literally the only thing the Kings need to worry about right now. Yeah. Because in terms of players that they have on their roster, older players, veterans that they have to worry about protecting, this is not like last time where they had to worry about which defensemen do we expose, which forwards do we protect. Crap, we have to expose Dustin Brown. We hope he gets picked up. Like that's not going to – that is not the deal anymore. Really the only forwards that the Kings are going to protect as of right now are – Kopitar Brown, truly, and I mean, if if Jeff if, Carter's still if around, if Toffoli's def- still around, right? If Toffoli's still around, I mean, they have a year to decide whether they even want to keep Toffoli if they're going to trade him at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's even too early to, I guess, forecast all of that. Yeah, there's there's a ton that's going to happen, but my point is that like the, the Kings, I think at this point are more concerned about what's going to happen with the RFAs coming up and who's going to fill what spot over the next couple of years than they are about what's going to happen this year. Yeah, I think also – I think we both agree next season is probably not going to be fun from a Kings fan perspective. Probably not from like a winning perspective. That, that's what I mean. Um, and it's really – it's probably a good time for the Kings to be bad right now yeah. because of all the madness going on around the L.A. sports scene. Yeah. You know, like it, it, there's just it's everything's crazy. The Dodgers are on friggin' fire. Right. Zlatan is scoring hat tricks at will. <laughs> the Clippers and the Lakers are the one and two favorites for the championship. It's a good time for our boys to just hang low because guess what? If they were good, they would be buried right. under all these stories. Right. So it's great. The the great thing about 2012 was that nothing else was happening. In the L.A. sports scene, the Dodgers were just starting to pick up momentum as an elite team. They were losing in the playoffs. Um, the Lakers, Kobe was on his last legs already. They mm-hmm. were they they were just coming off that 2010 championship and on a decline. Um, the Clippers were the Clippers. Lob City wasn't doing much. So it was a great time. Yeah, there was like there was zero football teams. And like... <laughs> zero football yeah. teams. Um, so that was that was a good little. There was run. a void. There was a void. There was and- a void, and the Kings were on many nights the top sports story in LA. So should for whatever reason they be a cup contender or whatever this coming right. season, um, they would be like the seventh biggest story in LA every single yeah. night. So I'm good with it. 
I'm good yeah. with it. Would I rather the Kings be good? Probably. Um, but it's a good time. Good time. Yeah, I mean, neither one of us, and uh, quite frankly, a lot of Kings fans don't necessarily watch the Kings games with the hopes that they're going to get headlines necessarily. But no, no. It still permeates, right? Like it still it still permeates the culture of the city if the team is doing well. Like you can sense it. You see you see more people who are excited for them. You you know there's a different flair to it. Right. But and at the same time you hope like <clears throat> if the Kings win a championship, it would at least be more relevant news than let's say definitely. if LAFC won the MLS Cup. I I'm hoping that we'd at least be yeah. Like it's no offense to you know, no offense to the LAFC or MLS fans, whatever. Right. It's just we've been in this thing since nineteen sixty seven. Right. And when you talk about the big teams, the big four teams in LA, the Kings are in there. So Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely an interesting, interesting time. And um I think sports fans at large not dedicated hardcore hockey fans or whatever are definitely not going to have the time or the interest to invest in a team that's you know squeaking by to make it to the eighth or seventh spot in a play like you know what i mean that that's you're either going to have to be like amazing as gangbusters or you're better off sucking if you're if you're looking to like actually put butts in seats i think yeah and uh, apparently ESPN agrees with us. <laughs> you you actually brought this to my attention. Well, um, I, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. I saw it initially from the from the guys from King's Realm podcast. So, all right, like, I, shout out to the King's Realm. That's guys. right. Um, so why don't you tell us about this little? So it's it's this amazing image. Um, I I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not someone from actual ESPN LA offices. I'm hoping it's some guy in like. Connecticut and they were like, Hey, we're going to write something about LA. Why don't you look up who's, who the LA athletes are that you don't know about. And so they came up with this real schlocky, um, Hollywood walk of fame star graphic. Cause that's never been done before. And then they called the graphic star power and they posted multiple, um, athletes from the LA sports scene in the star. And it includes the most depressed photo of LeBron James ever. <laughs> and uh, it includes um, two members of the Los Angeles Rams, um, Todd Gurley and uh, uh, Aaron Donald. And then uh, you've got Kawhi in there. You got Paul George in there. You got Zlatan in there. You got Candace Parker in there. Even managed to find a little room for Mike Trout yep. from all the way down <clears throat> in Anaheim. AD, I mean, basically, AD's have, on top. AD's on top, also doing a very Zlatan like face. I don't know <laughs> if this was like what was required. Um, and LeBron was just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So they, <laughs> in any case, so they put all these people in there and uh, two sports teams are very, very conspicuously absent. Um, the first one being your very own Los Angeles Kings, which is a shock to no one who's ever followed this team over the last 40 years that um, ESPN not only completely neglects hockey, but then the best part is that there's not even a single member of the other NFL team in here, uh, the Los Angeles-San Diego Chargers of somewhere between <laughs> Los Angeles and San Diego. Yes, and then to top it all off, uh, Melvin Gordon himself replied to the tweet to ESPN by calling them disrespectful, which is just amazing. Now, so. 
I will say this. I can't really blame them too from much a Kings, from a Kings like, perspective. Oh, I see. The Chargers, although, yeah, are a good team. Yeah. So that's that's a little confusing. Like that that part's because you got two Rams on there. You could have done with one. Right. You could have put Philip Rivers on there Bam. and been totally fine. There you go. Um, the Kings. Eh, like you know, maybe like ten years I don't ago. I really don't. No, it's just yeah. funny. Maybe ten years ago, I would have been like, you know, please like my sport. Why don't you yeah. like my sport? Yeah, but, I really. I don't give a shit. Like, I really yeah. don't care. Like, were they gonna put on there? Really, Kopitar or Dowdy? Obviously, right? Right. It's, it's fine, fine. It's it's cool. I guarantee you, if this graph, if all this madness was happening in 2013, Kopitar would be on there. Or Dowdy would be on there. Sure. So it's all sure. good. It's all good. Um, we're going to take this season, guys. We're going to decompress as, as a fan base, right. as an organization, as a podcast. Right. We're going to decompress. We're, gonna have, we're, we're not going to take anything to heart. We're going to watch some of our kids get better. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch these great players who brought us the greatest times of our fandom. Basically, in their last potentially few seasons and watch them ride off into the sunset and it'll all be sad every single time um this is part of it this is a part of sports so right. it's all good i'm not offended by this espn i don't give a damn if you like hockey because we do because that's we right do. that's right hell or high water yes um you know yeah. who else i like Vardy? phil kessel good guy good guy now a member of the fledgling Arizona Coyotes franchise. Uh, we, we talked about this trade when it happened. Um, it is interesting. It's a little odd. It's kind of yeah. scratchy. For a local, little bit. Because it, it's Kessel for Galchenyuk, essentially at its core. Right. Uh, I and that's may, not to say that Kessel is not a better player than Galchenyuk. No, no, no. I'm going to maintain... That no matter what Galchenyuk does, he will never be as good as Phil Kessel was or is at his peak. Correct. Phil Kessel will forever be a better player than Alex Galchenyuk. That's not even, I don't think, a debate. Correct. I think the interest comes in in the ages of the two players and just what the hell the plan is from an Arizona perspective. I think that's, that's really where I was like, huh. I mean, I get it. You're getting a guy who can potentially score 90 points. Yeah. I mean, he did. He did. Right. So what I'm saying is potentially for the Coyotes can score 90 points, hopefully. Uh, Certainly, he won't be playing with arguably the best player in the world anymore. And I'm sorry. Do you not think highly of Nick Schmaltz and Derek Stepan? I'm a bit. No, I can't even fake it. I don't I don't think highly of either of those players. Um but Kessel had 82 points last year at age 31. So he's not like this really old dude either. Right. He's like start, he's probably starting his decline right now. And even then, you just don't know what that's going to look like. A guy like Kessel, who has historically never really needed to be in top physical condition <laughs> to score 30 goals, right. like he just hasn't had to do it. He's very yeah. much like Brett Hull. Who never had, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't, but he really never had to do anything outside of just show up and rip one-timers home. Kessel's a different (laughs) kind of player, but I mean, 
So it, it is interesting. I, I, when I look at Arizona, clearly they're trying to make the playoffs. Right. But my question is, does this put you over some kind of hump that you've created in your head? Because I don't know if I see that right now. Yeah, I, and it's funny because I was trying to like get the perspective from Coyotes fans and like looking through Coyotes analysis and Twitter and all that stuff, and and it kept coming back to this idea of our power play was terrible, our offense was not great. Kessel brings offense, brings goal scoring on the power play. Ergo, we're a better team. And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't work that way. Like, it's not it's not just a matter of like. We don't have goals. Add goals equals playoffs. Like that's not. It doesn't. Believe me, the Kings have tried that. Ex- lots of teams have. <laughs> yeah. Lots of teams have. If that was the case, the New York Rangers during the time of Eric Lindros, Yager, Bore, like you know, you would add cups on cups on cups with that type of talent. But like it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. And. That's the problem that I have is that I, I keep getting this sense from Arizona that they're stuck between trying to be a team that is young and is drafting well and bringing up guys that they're picking up through trades who are younger prospects and whatnot and you know taking on other people's dead cal- uh, cap space for the sake of draft picks. And then they go out and get guys like Kessel and Stepan and Goligoski's still there. And then they got Yalmerson. Like these are not bad players in the right scenario. It's just, you can't make this mishmash of players and be like, they're all individually bringing something. Therefore we're better together. That's right. That only St. Louis can do that. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, (laughs) and this is the problem now is that every freaking team is going to keep bringing up the damn blues as an example of like, you see, you can do it. You could go from zero to hero in no time. You just got to have the right guys. And it's like, it's, that is a lightning in a bottle scenario. Honestly, like they were not as bad as they were in December. Like no one expected St. Louis to be the worst team in the league in December. And realistically, they probably weren't as good as they were in the end. Exactly. Exactly. They went, they went from the, the complete, bottom of the wave to the top of the wave but the reality was that they were probably somewhere in the middle of the wave the whole damn time yeah they just slumped and heated up at the right time and, and that can happen with any team but is that what you're shooting for like is, is that the goal is to just like get a couple guys in here who can get hot and hope to get hot at the right time because that's a weird strategy man i'll tell you it your goaltender certainly matters uh as st louis proved and th- the question is is anti-ranta is Darcy Kemper that guy? It, I don't know because I can't even say no because Jordan Biddington literally dropped out of the sky and was the best player for the Blues from freaking December on. So I, I don't know. It, it, yes, any, just get in. I get it. Just get in. But I think you got to have some kind of a vision and a structure yeah. to what you're doing. And sometimes I do wonder because John Chaka seems like a very smart guy. He's supposed to be like dude. a total analytics, capologist, like long-term, everything's calculated out, conspiracy theory style kind of guy. Yeah, you know? and it remains to be seen, I guess. Um, I mean, they did just lose Mario Kempe, so they're in a world I mean, of trouble. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. This is like the equivalent of the Lakers getting Giannis' little brother a few days ago. <laughs> Very odd. Um 
so yeah, we'll see how Arizona does. I mean, again, it's hard for me to care because I know the Kings aren't gonna like right. not gonna be there. Right. Hey man, make the playoffs, sure. Right. If, if you and want. the Pacific is is fairly open. Yeah. In terms it's of like what can happen, so I get it, but it just it, it strikes me as a very much like one to two season plan. Yeah. And the Coyotes are not a team in my mind that are in this like make or break kind of mode. You know what I mean? You're not like, we have to do it before our window closes, before we lose a certain, like, what do you have? It's not like we're the situation Columbus kind of found themselves in last season where they were like desperate, right? Like if we're going to, we're either going to put up or we're going to shut up kind of thing. And they went for it and they crapped out, which I think everyone kind of knew was a very, very real possibility. I don't see Arizona as being a team like that. And so that's what confuses me from this. Yeah, agreed. Um, we did mention a few teams that were in certain situations, so we can maybe talk about some UFA signings. What surprised you the most? Um, I'm, I'm going to answer first. Okay. We talked about this player, and we kind of figured that it might be a problem, but I'm still very surprised that Joe Pavelski – is not a Dallas. Uh, is not I'll say Dallas Shark. Is not a San Jose Shark yeah. anymore. Uh, to me, that's a bigger hit than if they lost Eric, Eric Carlson. Yeah, and Eric Car- and it, Carlson's an amazing player, obviously. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting move. And now you compare that kind of move to, again, to go back to Arizona. San Jose took a look at their roster and decided that they were going to walk away from their captain. A guy who's still putting up like 60, 70 points consistently, 30 plus goals consistently, and they were just going to walk away from it. He had 38 goals last year. That's, That's what I'm saying. Crazy, man. That's what I'm saying. Jesus. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Sorry. Like, I'm San Jose sorry. took a look at things and made a very, very hard decision that they were going to walk away from that guy so they can have a potential blue line of Carlson, Brent Burns, and. Um, Vlasic and I I get it because they're a team who's up against it they're a team that's like we're gonna go and for whatever reason they thought that having a better defense was gonna be more important than holding on the Pavelski I don't know if I agree with that plan but that's they picked it and that's and they're gonna stick to it and that's what they're gonna do so when I see teams make moves like this but I see teams like San Jose that have been scratching and clawing and made the cup finals and keep getting close and they're and they're walking away from guys like this. It just confuses me to no end when I see teams like Arizona make moves to bring in 31-year-old wingers as though it's going to make some sort of a, a lasting impact on your team. But yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, second surprise for me was Robin Lehner. Not staying with the Islanders. Really? Yes. I mean, yes, 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 yes. He definitely had a huge bounce back season. Um, I don't know from an Islanders perspective if that was a money issue because they got Varlamov. And I I don't necessarily think of Varlamov as a improvement over Laner. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me on that. No, I clearly think – Laner's a better goalie. Yeah. I'm yeah. And uh Varlamov four years at five million. Right. And what did Laner sign for? I'm, like I'm checking that right now. 
I, I thought it was very, very similar to that. I didn't think it was the it term. Can, how how much different can it be? Yeah, the term might have even been less. It's one year. Well, I know it's a one-year deal. That's for sure. Yeah. One year, five million. Yeah. So was it a? I, I don't understand if it was like <laughs> right. Did he want more years? And the Islanders didn't want to give it to him. I don't know. I really don't know. It was a it was an interesting move. I'm very I think it's a good. By this. I think it's a very good signing for Chicago because yeah, Chicago is clearly aware that Corey Crawford is not reliable health wise in the net and one of the biggest failings that they had over the past few seasons is that they didn't have a a decent backup that they could trust to play you know 30 40 games if they needed them i think that's a great signing by chicago absolutely so yeah uh, i i don't know all the details about why the islanders wouldn't go one one times five with laner right or yeah it's crazy right after the Vesna-like season he had after the success you had in a shocking kind of way. Right. The good mojo, the good feelings, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Curious to see when I do. It is interesting. Um, anyone else, Vardy? So, I mean, I'm trying to think back. Really, I don't know if I've seen anything that, like, shocked me anymore. Like, there was some... You know, like the Duchesne signing, you knew no, it was coming. we saw that coming. Bob, I think we knew it was going to Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Panarin one to, mm. to New York, even that's not surprising. Whatever, whatever New York strategy is right now in terms of building a team also confuses the hell out of me. Yeah. I, I tweeted this that, like, they have eight guys on no movement clauses, yeah, including yeah. half of their horrific defense, which is, yes. like, it's just classic New York Rangers moves. Um, Wayne Simmons. To New Jersey. Right. Again, I, I now New Jersey is a team that I like what they're doing. I, I know people have thoughts about PK and, and whatnot, but I, I think they I think they are, are doing all the right things they in New had Jersey. A summer that you could put up against anybody in terms of acquisitions. And yes, you're yeah. going to have to include their number one overall pick. I get that. Yeah. But dude. <laughs> but but see, the thing is that they realized that they were going to get the pick and they were going to go for it. Like they, they're penciling in Jack Hughes to show up and be a roster player. They've oh, got yeah. Nico Fischer coming in. They've got now a, a true number one defenseman. I mean, they're making all the right moves. Now, whether or not goaltending again remains a question. It is. As it does for a lot of teams. But I think they've made some terrific, terrific moves and really haven't given anything up. They gave up nothing to get P.K. Subban. They no. gave up a little bit only to get Wayne Simmons. Like, I think they're building a really solid locker room and they're going to be a fun team to watch. You know what? Not necessarily surprising, but you know what contract I actually kind of I liked was the one that uh, Ryan Zingle mm-hmm. signed Carolina. with Carolina because he, he's coming off a great year. For him from Ottawa, and the question really is like, is that just kind of a one-year fluky kind of thing, or is he going to be able to reproduce that? And he signs for a very, very reasonable three point three seven five over two years with Carolina. That's a perfect period of time for you to show as a player that you have the ability. You can do this again for another couple seasons, and for a team like Carolina, which is again another young up-and-coming team, two-year term, it, it's beautiful. It's it's a that's a Amazing contract, I think, yeah. for both sides. Yeah. You know what my favorite signing, hands down, was? Mm. Michael Furland 
for four years at three point five million a year by Vancouver. Really? I really like Michael Furland. Hmm. Like he's not he's like a forty point player so mm-hmm. far, but he's twenty six and he's look, there's this type of player now that you can't find anymore in the NHL. It's like the Tom Wilson kind of Michael Furland in the mold of that player, a gritty player who could provide you offense mm-hmm. and, and who could who could be intimidating in the way that you can be intimidating in the new NHL. It's gotcha. not you got to be able to play, you got to be able to skate, you got to be able to contribute. Michael Furland is I think that type of player. He's young. 3.5 for him I think is a great deal. Yeah. I think I'm not saying he's a five million dollar player, but I think if you could get him for three point five at twenty six years old, I think you get him. Yeah. Were the Kings any better? I would be very upset had they not offered him a contract for that around that money. Mm-hmm. I really like this guy. I think players like him are few and far in between. Um he's again, he's not He's not someone you go out and you like break the bank for. He's not someone you bend over backwards to get. But when if you can get him for three and a half million a year, right. I think that's a great deal. That's probably my favorite signing. And and again, the term is very very important, right? right. Like three right. million for five years, you're like uh, I don't know. But short term deal, I think that's a that's I get it, I get it. Then those are really my favorite contracts, which I think are are the most beneficial for the player and for the team these kind of like middle of the road middle money middle years kind of kind of deals for for guys but everyone seems like they're either getting super short-term rfa deals or everyone's looking for an eight-year security blanket kind of deal when they're 29 years old and you know those are going to be the types of deals that lead us to another lockout probably but that's neither here nor there um overall there were some tame contracts yeah I don't think anyone really like went crazy on anyone for once. I mean, Panarin was really the big catch, and that's fine. I mean, he was the premier free agent, but right, like everything I saw in terms of money and stuff, it was just very like normal. Yeah, <laughs> it's just very odd because usually that we've always even like Simmons at one one year five million. You're like, yeah, yeah that's about yeah. right. You know, that's not overpaying for a guy. Um, so I can't really. This is this might have been one of the tamest free yeah, agent periods I don't, I don't think I've anything ever been. Was like, I've ever experienced. Yeah, I don't think anything was was you know outrageous in any way. No. What did Mike Smith get on his one year? Do you know? Because I think they were being I, like super secretive about it. I don't. I have no idea. Truly. Yeah, but Mike Smith is on the Oilers. And, uh, Speaking of the Oilers, <laughs> yeah, the Oilers and the Flames have <laughs> been playing hot potato with a few players in the last year, in the last few weeks. Uh, again, Mike Smith signs a one-year deal there with uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Man, look, I said this. I've said this before. Mike Smith has two modes: <laughs> God mode or Swiss cheese mode. You are not getting anything in between he's either going to stop every shot in the most ridiculous floppy manner ever right or he's just going to let in the dumbest goals you've ever seen right. and just drive you crazy right now, and become an absolute nutcase afterwards now, look he can get hot man he can get real hot he can drag your team across the line but ever since he left arizona he's failed to do it on a consistent basis 
in Arizona, he was doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of seasons where Mike Smith was basically that team. The year the Kings and the Coyotes played in the Western Conference Final, Mike Smith got them there, with all respect to Shane Doan. Mike Smith was their best player. But since then, wildly inconsistent, um, with flashes of absolute brilliance. But again, Calgary last year, he was a wall when they went uh, from Riddick to him. Is it Riddick? Whatever. To him, he started like stopping every shot all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But then the wall came down, as it always does. So I don't know. Man, the Oilers are still a mess. I'm sorry. Like, even even, take some time. Even with the amazing trade, and I'm saying that in air quotes, of getting rid of Lucic for James Neal, which I think that's a trade the Oilers win. Just to be clear, Oilers win that trade because I think James Neal still has a lot of hockey in him. Mm -hmm. And he was just in a situation where it didn't work out last year, where I think Milan Lucic is just he's he's getting near that cliff now and he just needs one more push to fall completely off so you don't think that lucic could benefit from playing on a different kind of team like calgary look man he had connor mcdavid in the middle for good stretches okay connor mcdavid was his center for a while there now does I, i don't know maybe it's an oilers thing but it's, if if he didn't play with Connor, I would say, yeah, man, he's going to go to this high-flying team with creative mm-hmm. players, Johnny Gaudreau, you know, even though I think Gaudreau is a left-winger, so I don't know if they would even play together. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you had a shot with, with Connor, I just don't – I can't get excited about you going to Calgary now. Sure, So sure. That, that's my thing. Like, do I think he's completely useless? No, but – that contract makes him useless. That's the problem. When, yeah. when that contract's attached to a player like that, no matter what he does at this stage of his career, he's just – the odds of him living up to it are slim to none, unfortunately, yeah. for him. If he was on like a $2 million deal, man, teams would line up for him. Mm-hmm. Because, again, players like him, you can't find anymore. He's not the same guy he used to be, but maybe in a new situation he gives you 10. 10? Yeah. You take 10 at $2 million physical yeah. presence right you know it's interesting I, I mean looking at some of the some of the advanced stats kind of things they actually showed that he was generating shots from all the right places and was was driving offense in a lot of ways right it just wasn't resulting in anything and so i, I don't know what to make of that i certainly don't watch enough of it and, and you and i both have said like you can quote advanced stats all you want the eyeball test still counts for something um so I just remember seeing him in the, in the few games where the Kings played against him, and it just he just didn't seem like the same player for many, many reasons. Just lack of drive, lack of like that same bloodthirstiness that we all knew and loved from the one season that he was here. Um, and again with Neil, I mean, Neil has traditionally been a great finisher in his career. So you would think that like, playing in a situation like that, where he has a better relationship maybe with the coach fits in a little better. I mean, they were, they were healthy scratching the guy, right? Like from, from day one, it was very clear that he was not the type of guy that they were looking for on this team. And I, I'm trying to remember now, but if I remember correctly, he was signed on when there was a different coach and then Calgary brought on, I might be wrong about that, but I, I feel like there was a coaching change after he was signed 
and then with Brad Peters at the helm, he just never, he never Maybe really, when Bill Peters, never really well, clicked. Bill, Bill Peters, Peters was sorry. during was during the off season for sure. Right. That hire. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, he, maybe, maybe. But you're talking again. You're talking about a player who had ten straight twenty goal seasons. Right. Before last season, when he had seven and twelve. Yeah. Nineteen points in sixty three games, but also like even with Lucic, like I, I watching both players, I do believe that they were very snake bit at times. Mm-hmm. There were games where Lucic was just clanking him off the post, no matter what right. he did, it just would not happen. And the same thing for Neil. There were games where, like, he's getting looks, man. It's just not happening for him. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, look, we wrote off Dust- Dustin Brown not too yeah. long ago. Three hey, years man, ago, if we were it, like... If it can happen, Dustin Brown... And by the way, these Brown, Lucic, and Neal have many similarities in their games. Mm-hmm. You know, James Neal isn't the power-type player that the other two are, but he is still a power forward mm-hmm. in hockey. So a change of scenery trade, fine. Um my only con- I'm more concerned about Lucic because I do like the player. I'm more concerned that man, if you couldn't get it done with Connor, it's just ah, I have a hard time believing that you know going down the freeway or whatever it is it's gonna make everything better. But yeah. hey, maybe it does. Maybe the coach believes in him. I don't know. So yeah, I, I do wish both of them good luck because I do like those players, even with James Neal destroying us a couple of seasons ago in the playoffs. Uh, no one will forget the Fantenberg turnstile. No. And now Fantenberg back in our division. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks um, signed him. I was curious to see if the Kings might be like, hey, <laughs> hey, buddy. We could use those turnstiles right about Yeah, now. no kidding. Um, I mean, it remains to be seen, right? Like, I will say this. It's been a little confusing to me from uh, – from a King's perspective, because I was I was completely ready to see a bunch of 20-year-olds and 22-year-olds playing on the roster. But then they went and they signed, you know, the Mario Kempis, the Martin Furks, the Joachim Ryans of the world. And I'm, I'm not sure if those are just kind of like insurance policy players who are going to get healthy scratched a lot. Or are these the guys that they expect to just play out the one year and... Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, it's probably like I feel like there was a lot of shoulder shrugging going on in the Kings' offices this summer. Like, I yeah, think that's fair. Yeah, you know. Yeah, let's just give this, throw some money at Mario Kempe so we can get Adrian <laughs> on that extra year we want. <laughs> I don't know something like that. It's just you know what? It's cool, man. I what I do respect is is that the Kings aren't bullshitting us. I don't think Rob Blake's the type to be like, huh? You see, guys, look, look who we yeah. got. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin like they made Ferg. it very clear that yeah, they're, like, not, hey, they're not going after any big fish at all. Like, if you were, if you're upset, I guess that the Kings aren't doing anything in terms of signing UFAs or something crazy in terms of trades this summer, then you're clearly not paying attention as to what the plan is here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. The, the deals that they've been trying to make are the same ones they've been trying to make for six months now, which is probably moving Jeff Carter for something and probably moving Jonathan Quick for something. And if those deals aren't there, they're not just going to do it to move these guys. There's no urgency to do that. You know, they're yeah. going to keep looking for the right deal. If I, it shows up, they'll take it. I think uh, Tyler Toffoli, maybe. Yeah. 
Clock's sticking is, on him too a little bit. This is bit. going to be a very interesting season for him and not a great situation for him given the shoulder shrugging that we're talking about, right? Because if if the season starts off poorly for the team and for him, it doesn't benefit anyone. He's not going to get a contract really from the Kings or any other team and the Kings end up losing value in terms of trade potential for him. So it it behooves him in many ways to to really try to have a good season even if the people around you are kind of shrugging their shoulders and yes. don't really care what happens. Yes. I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think that anyone would ever roll into the rink as a hockey player and be like, I don't care. No, I, don't, I, 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 don't I know you're not players. saying. I just want to clarify for our people listening. Yeah. We don't, we're not, that's not what we're saying. Um, but yeah, totally, man. It's, it's an important season for him to say the least. Um, not just, it's just, it's time to become the player you were always meant to become or everyone thought you would become. You're it's just times out, times up on him. Right. Like now is the time. Yeah. Like, like dude, either you're this or you're something greater. And, right. and unfortunately for him, he has to prove it on this team <laughs> this season. Exactly. Uh, sorry to say. Exactly, yeah. and and unfortunately for us, he has to prove it <laughs> on this team at, on this season because it it really doesn't help either of us. You know, yeah. if he scores thirty goals, then great, you did fantastic. But that doesn't mean we won't trade you because we might get more value in trading you as a thirty goal scorer than we would in trying to re-sign you for another six years or whatever you might want. Probably means you are getting traded. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a lose lose scenario, truthfully. Yeah. And I don't see I don't see a good way in which Tyler Toffoli is still on this team next season. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, it it also feels like sometimes it just feels like it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's kind of a just a feeling like okay, it's just time. Maybe you're, it's time for you. It's time for us. Something. It's just time for something else something different Do you kind of think like that's how pearson was too that it was kind of a i think pearson was very much the pearson thing was more something had to be done not necessarily with pearson just something had to be done mm-hmm. at that point when the kings made that deal they couldn't just sit there anymore um i can't remember if this was before the coach got fired i can't remember the timing or was it, after? it was after fine so they had already done the the coaching thing. Clearly, that did not work. So it still felt like I don't know if it's sending a message or whatever. But I think the Kings felt like someone who's considered like a secondary core guy has it. Just something has to change, mm-hmm. and the timing for it. But I mean, whatever. No big loss. I'm not really upset over that. Nor was I at the time. Right. But Vardy rumors. I think I brought this up to you. Months ago, rumors that Patrick Laine <laughs> maybe moved from the Winnipeg Jets. You definitely brought this up months ago. <laughs> That's right. It hasn't happened I yet, so I don't know why I'm going. I still don't know if it's going to. I think the Jets are in a very interesting situation right now with having to re-sign Line and Kyle Connor in the same offseason. And that is that is a lot of money that they're going to have to give both of those guys. And I don't know if they have an appetite necessarily to do that. Yes. Um, I'm seeing them as having around $17.5 in cap space. And truthfully, you might eat up every single bit of that cap space to sign both of those guys. 
like, I mean, Lightning is at least a, an eight, nine million dollar guy, is he not? Easy peasy, right? But he wants ten. Okay. And, and I think someone and can give you him blame 10. him? No, for wanting. I really 10. can't. With with the nonsense he had that's a, been. He had a bad season last season, and I think that's season. probably what Winnipeg is going to drag through the mud for him. But now here's the thing. If you, as Patrick Laine, say you accept nine, mm-hmm. nine million, okay? Now how can you, as Kyle Connor, who's put up constantly improving numbers. Great player, that kid. Two-time 30-goal scorer. Probably could have been a three-time 30-goal scorer um, in the right scenario. 22 years old. Right. Jesus. How are you not asking for – you got to get Exactly. Like, exactly. And that's, right. why he, that's why I think something's got to give. And, and the reason I felt months ago that it was going to be line A and the reasons now that I'm hearing other people say is the fact that when you look – at the Winnipeg Jets and the way they play the game mm-hmm. and the style that they're coached and the style that their leaders prefer to play, the Shifleys, the Wheelers, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine sticks out like a sore thumb. He does not play Winnipeg Jets hockey. And that's why that's kind of that was my feeling on him months ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that will eventually lead him out of Winnipeg, especially mm-hmm. considering men. We can get a lot for this player. He is I, – I, I don't think there is any team that thinks they're competing that wouldn't at least make a phone call and be like, hey, like what are you looking for? Yeah. For for Patrick Laine. So, again, rumors. I'm not – I don't want to get ahead of myself, although I did prematurely gloat there for a second. I mean the the Jets just re-signed Neil Pionk for yes. $3 million for two years. Yes, throwing money so, – like it's nothing. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to, again, I, I don't, that's tough though, man. That's tough because that is a fantastic offense that is humming along like a steam engine. If you've got both of those guys in there too, that top six is. Oh yeah. Utterly Look, ridiculous. Patrick Liney's quote unquote bad season had 30 goals in it. Exactly. So let's not, exactly. you know, let's remember then who that. Did you move? Because you would have to move someone to at move that somebody, point. You have to move somebody, man. And, and I don't know who they would move because you're not going to move Ehlers. You're not going to move Shifley. You're not going to move Wheeler. Brian Little is 31 years old and has a no-movement clause and has five more years left at $5.3 million. Matthew Perot has a no-trade clause for two more years. I have a question. Carry on. <laughs> would you offer sheet Patrick Line? I'm truthfully, I'm surprised no one has yet. If Sebastian Ajo is getting offer Thank sheeted, God, he, someone use an offer sheet, man. Good right. Lord, why don't? Anyway, I don't want to get into it. Use <laughs> it, people. Use it. It's there. I think. I think they don't do it because there's no good reason. I'm sorry. No, because they know they're going to sign. Like you can't tell me that Montreal didn't know that Carolina was going to was going to match that offer sheet. <laughs> Did you see how Carolina announced they're going to match hilarious. it? <laughs> classic as you just gotta love carolina in so many ways for so for you you, if you guys didn't see it the carolina hurricanes twitter put up a poll (laughs) that's it (laughs) are we going to match the offer sheet for sebastian ajo 
And I think the options were like yes or hell yes or something. I don't I can't no, remember. It was, it was yes and we. <laughs> oh, there you go. There <laughs> to you troll go. Montreal even more. Beautiful. Beautifully done. Uh, you got to love the jerks. You got to love them. But em. the thing, like, but when you look at Winnipeg, like, they might think about it. Like, if you offer sheet line a 11 and a half, they're going to think about it, man. Right. I don't think it's a slam dunk. They're going to match Which it. Which I think it, that's that's four first round picks and then some. Yes. If you if you give eleven, and, I mean, if this was the NBA, they do that no, no problem. Are you kidding me? Draft picks mean nothing in the NBA, bro. <laughs> Saw those trades, <laughs> madness. <laughs> but I will say this about the NBA, and I kind of wish hockey was like this. They're they're so committed to winning now. Nothing else matters, man. It's these two dude, the players that sign in this madness in the NBA, three years, two years, right. nothing over four. Well that's because a lot the max deals that they can give are five year deals, aren't they? Uh probably. Probably. Right. But, and, but and even, a lot of those are like player options built in there. Like the player can yes. decide if after the fourth year if they want to stick around for the like, like I think the longest I saw was three plus one. The plus yeah. one being a player option. So, like, I do appreciate that every team in every offseason, they're like, they're sitting around, they're like, is this the year we go for it? Or yeah. are we going for it, like, yeah. next season? Like, that's as far as the conversation goes. Right. Forget year three. It's right. like, is it now or is it next season? I mean, the fact that in any sport, two, three teams can very easily just be like, we don't care about having a first-round pick for the next five years. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. don't care. <laughs> and I saw – I mean this led to some great tweets. It led to some great tweets about like there's some 14-year-old kid out there who's going to end up being the first-round <laughs> the first round pick because of this freaking Anthony Davis trade or this Kawhi Leonard trade, you know, or the Paul George trade and stuff yeah. like and it's true. It's true. But it's just – it's a very, very unique and odd situation because the NBA has just got a ton of money now from all these TV deals and sponsorship deals from Nike and whatnot. And it, it's just – it's insanity. And you and I are all for it because I love when players make money. Dude, I love we're, when... we're about that. <laughs> We've yeah. always been about that. Yeah. May, I, I love the whole concept of a player controlling his destiny. Like, oh, it's I absolutely, I love that. And I feel like hockey's not there yet. No. But I would love – it's just so the, – the sports are so different that I just don't ever see it happening that way. One player cannot change the entire fate of your franchise. Two players cannot change the entire fate of your franchise in the NHL. It just doesn't work. It has never worked. Yeah. It will never work. The Red Wings have to get eight Hall of Famers <laughs> to like to like be the favorite from beginning to end. Right. You know what I mean? Like, come on, this isn't right. this isn't that sport. Uh, I do wish it was, <laughs> but it's it's just not. I mean, I also think that there's a lot of ways that the players union they feel like they get these little victories in these cba negotiations and stuff and then they look at every other sport and they're like we're we're nowhere close like had they negotiated for maximum five-year deals but with guaranteed money that kind of thing that that's 
see, those are the types of things that they, I don't know if it's a savviness thing or if it's just like a kind of a, the NHL player humility approach of, oh, we're just going to do it for the team boys. Oh we're going to do so it for the chest. It's boring. It is boring. Come and it's on, stupid. It's stupid crazy. from a completely, from a, from a business point of view. Like these guys are, and I get that this is what's somewhat appealing to people about hockey, that they're all about the, you know, the name on the front, not the name on the back, that kind of. Sure. Yada yada ness, but from a from a player perspective and from a player movement and an actual league and business perspective, I think they would have been smarter to try to negotiate for giving up less deals. I mean less less years on these deals, like saying that we'll sign five year deals, but like give it guaranteed cash for like certain number of years. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I think that's a smarter play because now you're signing all these players to eight-year deals and half the time the GMs – it was crazy. Like one of the things I was seeing was that there was more money in dead contracts and LTIR and money being moved around to create cap space than there was actual player movement. Correct. So the solution to that is that you shorten the maximum player contracts but you guarantee some of the money so both sides win. And then you don't have to sit here and talk about buying out – three years of someone's deal that they signed, you know, four years ago, because now all of a sudden they're 32 years old and have had, and can't play anymore. And, and with that, a mismanaged team, like a mismanaged team, right. You're will not, not be doomed for, for 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. That's the beauty. I think that's the beauty of the way the NBA does it. The Lakers were the Lakers in one week went from the laughing stock of basketball to the favorites right to win the champion ju- just like that right the clippers man <laughs> anyway not a basketball podcast but no. i would love to see some of the things from there implemented here it's it's way different we've talked about this before hockey is not a star driven league because hockey stars don't make or break your team in hockey the way they do in other sports right. i think that's that's the fundamental difference that will kind of never let it's us a bigger get roster there. like you need more sure, players sure. you know like all those things matter i get it but there's there's definitely things that can be learned and you know it's, it, again I, I i think back to like the way this league can you know we had we did an episode a while back Great where episode. we were talking about ways that the league can be better and we talked about sponsorship deals and things like you know adidas signed this massive deal with the NHL to like pick them up and sponsor them. And I feel like it has gone nowhere. Nowhere. Nowhere interesting. That's for no, sure. Nowhere exactly. creative. Exactly. I look at what Nike's done with the NBA and how much they've pushed the players forward and pushed the product forward and pushed like jersey sales and being part of the team. And like every single team's got like specific team products and, you know, like they're everywhere. They are everywhere because they have this product and they want to push it. You know, they paid for the right to represent these players in this league. And I feel like the NHL doesn't get any of that. No, and the, got- the one guy who's tried to do it over the years, the one guy who was in Adidas commercials with James Harden, the guy who was on ESPN first take, like the first hockey player in I don't know how many years to be on that show, he's been traded three times already. Mm-hmm. He's on his third team already. Right. Like, what the hell are we doing out right. here, man? Right. He's, he's, he has a bad reputation. Why? Yeah. We're talking about P.K. Subban, yeah, by the way. Yeah, we're talking about P.K. Yeah. 
Like the guy has actually gone out and tried to be a face to hockey. And people are just like, no, man, we don't want a face. We don't want we don't want anyone knowing we want to be anonymous. And it's no, like hockey why? has many faces, apparently. Right. <laughs> but why why do you want to be anonymous? I don't understand that. And this is not again, this is not a please like my sport kind of thing. I'm just coming at it from the perspective of pure business. No, we're and saying we understand you why you don't like our sport. Yeah. <laughs> we exactly. Yeah. We don't you don't like our sport because our sport almost makes it like <laughs> Don't like us. We don't want you to like us. Like it's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. How do you not look at the amount of money that's being thrown around in the NBA for both the players and the teams? Like they're like Scrooge McDuck money bins at this point. They're swimming around in cash. They don't even know what to do with it. Even the NFL's looking at them and going, "Damn, they're rich." Yeah. Like, and yet the NHL's just like, "No, nah, guys, that's that's not us. We're gonna we're gonna count our pennies and make sure that." You know, we can't even provide a decent escort to our players who have to retire because of injury. Like they have to scratch and claw to have money for the rest of their lives. Right. Versus the NBA and the NFL. Like you play five years, you're done in the NBA. You got money for the rest of your life, bro. You have you have your escrow. You got like your. your I mean, they take care of all their retired players because they can. Yeah. And again, you could say, well, hockey's not that popular. It's because of the shit that it's not popular. Exactly. That's, that's the whole argument. Exactly. There's things you could do to improve that situation. Right. And anyway, it's it, it can be frustrating because sometimes you look around at fans of other sports and, man, they're just having a great time. You know what I mean? Like, they're, right. their off-seasons are just, like, as good as their regular season, if not better. You know, they cover a cer- they cover certain sports 12 months a year. Mm-hmm. All over the TV, all over the radio, it's nonstop. Um, can hockey? Hockey has that type of coverage in Canada, yes, but even Canadian markets in August, there just isn't anything to talk about. And this goes to star power, to player movement, to right. giving players more freedom in choosing their own path. That's what it comes yeah. down to, really, is, is yeah. empowering the player. Yeah. To, to do things and not villainizing the player when they try to do something that's outside of this freaking concrete box that hasn't moved in decades. Right. Right. And and it's a good point you bring up about the 12-year coverage because, again, going back to that episode, we talked about one of the things that hockey is missing is this kind of like summer presence. You know, occasionally they had the World Cup. But right now I, I turn on ESPN just randomly and they're covering like NBA D-League games. Yeah. You know, like the star players are showing up to watch the kids playing in D League and these guys who are like trying to get contracts and the teams themselves are like posting highlights from guys that they might not even sign past the D League, but they're putting them up like it's it's a juggernaut. It's it just one it's thing after exactly. And yet hockey's just very comfortable with the idea of like we're just gonna disappear for three months. Right. And no one talk about us. We yeah. don't want we don't want it. Yeah. It's just like it's dumb. It's dumb. It's poor business management. I I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't get it. Well, we went off on a tangent there, but Sorry. It's, it's always fun to debate and talk. This is what summer does. It's when, great. when you when you don't really have a like a thing you have to talk about, and you just kind of. Yeah. Plus, we're due for another list episode. Yeah, so. that's coming. We're gonna figure that out soon. Uh, Vardy Gabe Velarde is gonna miss his third straight developmental camp. Didn't that already Or has happen? missed it has his missed. third straight developmental yeah. camp. And no word as to whether or not he's actually going to make it to 
to true, true training camp. I think we're getting close to DEFCON 5 here on my worry meter because, uh, uh, man, it just... It's heartbreaking. It's sinking now, <laughs> the feeling yeah. in my gut. I, I, just, I, for, I literally forget sometimes that he's one of our prospects. I'm just starting to... You uh, hate to say it, but it, is the writing on the wall now, man? Like, what a shame it would be because there's just no light at the end of the tunnel right now i think that's the frustrating part is like no timetables no at least no public hope of recovery yeah just like yep status quo he's shut down update when we have an update yeah and and the worst part about an injury like that you know chronic back stuff is that even if he does come back you have no idea what type of longevity he has yeah if if any yeah if any like he he could be one of these guys that even if he does somehow get healthy enough to play he's just playing like 30 games a season for the rest of his life if that you just never get a full sense of like what he could be and again i don't want to doom the kid but it's it's tough man it's tough yeah and at some point yeah, he's not going to lose a roster spot if he's still good enough to play. But I just don't know if, like, I don't know if we're ever going to see what he could be. Yeah, honestly, unfortunately, uh, man, I hope it's not the case. But here we are. Uh, Vardy, it's episode forty-three. Yes, it's yes, time it is. to For play a traditional game of what is that number and who wears that number. Cotto's going to guess it. Still working on the title. It's working title right now. <laughs> Um, so I've already got a couple in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw them out right quick. Yeah. And let's not forget we are, we're in the stupid numbers. Stupid as numbers. You like to call them. Uh, first, can you tell me how many players were you? Sure can. Six. I thought it would be something lowish yeah. like that. Yeah. Two right away. Vitaly Yachmanev. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, came up, yep. came to my head because of the excitement when he came into the league, playing on the wing of Wayne Douglas Gretzky. Um, didn't quite pan out the way anyone wanted. I think he had a pretty good couple seasons, but other than that, I think they sold high. <laughs> sold high on Vitali. First season, fifty-three points in eighty games. Second season, thirty-two and sixty-five. One in four games in 97, 98, and that's all she wrote. And then yeah. Nashville Predators. Right. The next guy, I believe, I will be shocked if this isn't true, is the greatest number 43 <laughs> to ever wear a King's uniform, and that is Philippe Boucher. He he definitely <laughs> – I, I need to check and see if he is the, he the greatest. Well, he's a defenseman, so you can't, you know, you can't compare numbers, but – all right, fine. I guess, fine. in my opinion, he's the best to ever wear forty-three. But then again, I don't really know the rest at the moment. So you're you're doing well. You're doing well. I, I have hope for you. All right. So I have nothing. I can't think of any other ones off the top okay. of my head. So I'm gonna need you to do phase two of our game, which is throw me seasons. That's right. So the first one to ever wear the number forty-three was in ninety-two, ninety-three. This is my season. This is your season. Shit. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to get it. 
Because I already know he didn't play significant games. Because you've mentioned his name before. Really? Yes. Wow. So obviously didn't play significant number of games. Otherwise, I would have slam dunked this ten seconds ago. Okay. Play is a very <laughs> yeah. interesting term. Uh, what do you mean, Vardy? Oh, well, some, so he dressed. Some, ah, he's a goalie. Ah. Ah, I've cracked that code. <laughs> now for the rest. Yeah, I don't know, bro. I really don't know number 43 because I think it was Rudy and Stauber. I, I know Rudy probably got hurt at some point. Um, but Rick Knickle was in that for a while there too in 92, 93, I believe. It's, it was not Rick Knickle. Yeah, because he's number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to pass. David? David? Gaverdi. There it is. God damn it. <laughs> all right, I missed that one. Moving That's on. All right. That's all right. So with at least me giving you the first name, you were able to get it. All right, cool. So after that, in uh, in chronological order, it was Yachmanev, then Boucher. Oh, okay. And then 2003-2004. One season. Mm -hmm. god damn it i hate these guys and let me just make sure pretty sure he only yeah he only wore this number well and yeah i hope fucking one season i hope well it's, it's actually across the course of uh two seasons oh okay okay like so late one season and then a little bit into the next one so from 0203 yeah. and then uh 03-04 and again, it's a guy who we have spoken of. Really? Yes. Not in like glowing terms necessarily, but like it's a name that you and I have. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to get it. I'm sorry. All right. You're trying. Fine. I bless your heart. You're trying. I'm, I'm really just beating around the bush here. Um John Sim. John Sim. Yes, I remember John Sim. <laughs> Hard to forget John Decent Sim. Decent player, man. Decent hockey player. He filled the role. Filled the role he was designed to fill. Had a long career, man. Scored goals, bro. Had a he, long he career. Let me see. A few times. John Sim. Let me see how many years John. John played 469 NHL games from 1998-99 to 2010-2011. There you go. Good for him. There you go, Johnny. Good for him. All right. So now you're down to the last Just two. Just going to get harder. Again, two dudes whose names. Okay. All right. One of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. One of them had a... <laughs> Even had a nick. We had a we had a nickname for him. <laughs> we, as an in internally, we had internally not the kids yes. had. Okay, no. okay, God no. Okay, okay. Played, this is helping uh, me. This is two. He played two seasons. Oh five, oh six, oh six, oh seven. Okay. Defense. Ooh, this is gonna. I think I'm gonna pull this out. Hold on, because I, I remember we had nicknames for only like a few players. It wasn't right. like all of them. Right. Defenseman. I got it, bro. 
All right. <laughs> Mike the Dream Weaver. Dream Weaver. Nice. Nice assist, party. <laughs> there you go. All right. Tell me the years on this last one. I feel confident now. All right. Um, it was... Oh, crap. I closed it. Um, I want to say I thought 06, 07. And then he went and he played for the Ducks. Uh, I got nothing. Also defense. Ooh, of course. Yeah, still got nothing. Damn it. We did not have a nickname for him. Well, that doesn't help. Nope. Yeah, well, I'm going to pass on this one. All right. Uh, Tim Jackman. Ah, uh, Tim Jackman. Just a very average player. Yes. Cool. But again, played multiple, multiple seasons. Uh, 200 and – no, man, more than that. Jesus, how many? 483 games. For Tim Jackman. That's a that's a decent career. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. All right. All right. Three out of uh, six. Not bad. I'm actually – I'm kind of pumped about this next one. 44. Oh, man. There's a, there's a because few. I feel good about the next one. I'm going to – here, because I'm going to give you this. No. Because – no, 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 no. I'm not going to give you – I'm not going to give you a name. Don't, okay. Don't get crazy. Cool. What I'm going to tell you though – I'm going to tell you because I want you to really think about it. Crap. There's 12 players who have worn the number 44. Okay. 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 All right. I mean, the ones I already, the ones that I know are the ones I know. So just just keep the the ones you know are the ones you know. And there's, there's a lot of names in there. And like at least nine of these guys, I think you got it. Thank you for believing in me, Marty. I always do. I always do. Yep. All right, guys. That's it. That's it for us. We went a little longer yeah. than usual today. But it's always fun. We we start talking about things we don't expect. Good things happen. That's why you come back, right, guys? That's what That's I right. thought. That's right. That's right. As usual, please subscribe to us, guys. Please follow us on Twitter, guys, at the Bannerman Pod. Email us at thebannermanpod at gmail.com. Reviews, even non-constructive ones, are lovely. We appreciate them. Uh, yeah, keep the Twitter believe, feed going. I believe someone on Twitter said, you guys want a review? You suck. So thank yeah. you. Thank you, fan. Hey. We appreciate it. We, you know, it's it's an opinion. And <laughs> thank you for it. <laughs> um, we love the Twitter interactions. No matter how short and sweet you want to make them, we appreciate it. Yep. Especially, again... It's it's the slow days of summer. There ain't a whole lot to talk about, and there's going to be even less to talk about in August. Real September sticky. is when things will start picking up again. Yep. So typically around August, we we think of our uh, our list episode. Um, we're still working out what exactly it should be this year. So if you guys have some suggestions or something interesting that you want us to kind of – again, we brought this up before – the summer gives us the opportunity to discuss things. So if there's something you're curious about or some random thought you have in your head, shoot it our way. We're always open to suggestions. Thank you guys as always for listening. It is our pleasure. Can't wait to see you guys next time for episode 44. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. 